Hopefully this will go live. There we go. We're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a returning guest, a very special guest. His name is Dr. Phil Fernandez. And we spoke back on July 22nd about a book he wrote titled The Atheist Delusion, a Christian response to Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins. And uh, I was looking over some of his, his other books and came across this one that he wrote back in 2003. The title of the book is God, Government, and the Road to Tyranny. And a very prescient book, very timely. A lot of very good information in the book, so I highly recommend it. He also wrote it with some other authors. Last names were Purcell, Rainier, and Weisinger. And uh, I suggest you go back and listen to the earlier uh, discussion that we had back on July 27th. You can get some more background from uh, Dr. Phil Fernandez. He's written many other books, but uh, we're going to talk about these themes that I think are, are very important to talk about now. So, Dr. Phil Fernandez, are you there? Yes. Yes, I am, William. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. Uh, can you talk about kind of your background and what led you to write this book, God, Government, and the Road to Tyranny? Well, I uh, I got saved in uh, 1981. I was raised in a Catholic home, but never really believed. And I was in the Marine Corps when one situation led to another, and I came to Christ. And um, so then in 1981, at the age of 21, I started to rethink everything, you know, I had been taught. And, um, and by doing that, I started finding out that you know, and even the Marine Corps taught me that communism and socialism are, are bad. They're not good for people. It leads to the to genocide, to the slaughter of multitudes. And so as I grew in my Christian walk and I started studying Christian apologetics, um, I also saw that there was a need um, to engage in, in political moral issues of our day and interpret them from uh, the biblical worldview and argue that the biblical position would be the best that would promote freedom and um, and so that, that's how I got started on uh, on this particular uh, a, a, this particular issue. And I, I would refer to it. I would title it as like cultural apologetics, arguing that a uh, culture that has embraced Christianity, once that culture starts throwing God out, um, there are some really bad consequences. And um, so in 1987, I wrote a small booklet. Um, the decay of a nation, the need for national revival. And I was only a second year student at Liberty University. I don't even want to put the book back in print because not everything in it was uh, was accurate. But I already saw back then that things were looking pretty bad. And um, I argued that without widespread revival, there's a, there'd be a good chance that we would lose our political freedoms. We, it, it was hard for me to imagine us going past the year 2020 and remaining free without widespread revival. And even though I don't, I don't promote, you know, more mature in my walk. Now I'm 61. I'm not 27 anymore. Uh, and I don't promote, you know, picking dates and that type of thing. Um, I could see that there, there wasn't a whole lot of time left and, um, and things got progressively worse. So I wasn't surprised in 2020 when we, uh, our government shut down the churches and said we were not essential. And I'm not surprised now that they're trying to, to force the vaccine. You know, the American looks at the data and decides they want to be vaccinated. That's fine. But, you know, I'd like to wait and see because uh, it's the first time we're taking synthetic RNA and introducing it, I believe, to every cell in the human body. And um, so I'm really 
I like to wait for these human trials to be done. And I have loved ones who've been vaccinated. So I'm, I'm rooting for them. I'm praying for them. But I don't think the government has the right. Does, the government doesn't own our body. Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Well, our bodies were created in God's image. Our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies belong to the Lord, not the government. And so when Caesar starts demanding what only belongs to God, we got to say with the apostles, we must obey God rather than men. And uh, so none of this was a surprise to me. So in the 1990s, I began to write articles for small newspapers uh, the defending the, the Christian faith in the cultural arena, the political arena. And, uh, and I wrote a monthly religion column for the uh, what was called the Bremerton Sun in Bremerton, Washington back then. Now it's the Kitsap Sun. And um, so uh, around 2000, I decided, well, let me start collecting some of these articles and uh, publish it as a book and give some of my colleagues uh, who were not published at that point, give them an opportunity to, to write a chapter or two. And, um, and in 1998, I had presented a paper, The Death of Man, The Coming Death of Western Civilization, where I looked at the thought of the German atheist Friedrich Nietzsche and his predictions and then the, uh, the thought and predictions of C.S. Lewis and the abolition of man and Francis Schaeffer and back to freedom and human dignity. And so I wrote, presented that paper and it was really mixed reviews. I think a couple of JP, Christian philosopher J.P. Moreland, a couple of his disciples defended my thesis, whereas Stanley Grenz, a postmodern theologian, and some of his guys, you know, butt heads with us. So it wasn't well received. So then I represented that paper about the coming death of Western civilization in 2015. And that at that point, it was widely embraced. But again, I'm only saying what C.S. Lewis said in The Abolition of the Man in the 1940s and what Francis Schaeffer said in Back to Freedom and Human Dignity in the 1970s. So in no way am I claiming to be a prophet. If, if anything, uh, Lewis and Schaeffer had somewhat of a prophetic ministry and they sounded the alarm and uh, we did not heed them. And um, and so it's it's late in the game at this point. I agree. But uh, Dr. Fernandez, can you help? I mean, I really I've heard of Schaefer. I have a very topical Wikipedia mm -hmm. understanding of Schaefer. But you start your book off mentioning Schaefer and the Christian Manifesto. Can you expand on that for the audience and talk about who Schaefer was and why he's important? Yeah. Francis Schaefer was a, a very conservative Presbyterian minister. And I'm not even Presbyterian myself. But he was a Christian thinker who had studied under another great Christian thinker, Cornelius Van Til. Uh, Schaefer had a mind of his own, so they disagreed on some issues. Uh, but he saw Western civilization going down, and he started his Libri um, Fellowship. It was like the shelter, him and his wife, Edith, over in Europe, in Switzerland. So he could see that, you know, generally speaking, Germany is about 40 years ahead of Europe in its intellectual thought. And then Europe is about 40 years ahead of America. So what he saw in the seventies going on in Europe, he knew it was going to be coming to America. And, um, and, but he had a ministry to intellectual dropouts, people who were thinking about suicide and, you know, if there's no God, there's no truth, there's no morality, there's no meaning. Why even live? And uh, some of them, as a last resort, visited Francis and Edith Schaefer and were led to the Lord. Oz Guinness is one of his disciples, uh, John Whitehead. Um, many great thinkers today uh, were trained by uh, Schaefer. 
Uh, but Schaefer in his uh, a Christian manifesto, he said one of the problems with Christians is that we, is that we handle political moral issues as individual issues. And we don't see that what's going on is uh, a replacing of the Christian worldview with an entirely new secular slash neo-pagan worldview. And until we look at it in reference to worldview and, um, and see that um, what, need, what needed to be defended was a, a robust defense of the Christian worldview, as long as we looked at things in little bits and pieces and not looked at the whole, uh, we would miss the, the boat. And so he came at it. Uh, he would look at the individual um, uh, political uh, issues of his day, but he would look at it from the perspective of the Christian worldview and defend it from that perspective. And he also believed that the founding fathers, not all were Christian, some were deists, uh, but they all basically had a Christian understanding of creation and the fall. And so they built uh, our limited government, our experiment with freedom upon those principles. And we weren't perfect. And obviously slavery was an issue that many of our founding fathers wanted to be uh, uh, fixed early on. And it, it, took a, it, it took a war, a civil war, to finally settle that issue. Uh, but Schaefer was looking at it from a Christian uh, perspective, a great Christian thinker. I don't agree with him on everything, but he was a great Christian thinker. And um, that taught us to look at the, you know, how Western civilization um, was dominated by the Christian worldview. And we flourished and experienced freedom like no other civilization. But as time went on um, with modernism and, um, and enlightenment rationalism, we began to attack the Bible. And it led to deism, a God that doesn't perform miracles, which eventually led to atheism, no God, uh, and then modernism, the idea that we could find all truth and solve all our problems through human reason alone, eventually um, gave way to postmodernism, where we no longer believe in universal truth and absolute morality. And uh, in fact, we don't even believe in the individual anymore. Uh, and an individual is just a product of their community. And since there's no truth, it's the community's narrative. So. We now have postmodernism in the community narrative that's being um, combined with Friedrich Nietzsche's uh, will to power. If reason and truth are gone, all that's left is man's will to power. All that's left is shouting. He, uh, Nietzsche, the German atheist, recommended that we uh, reject the soft values of Christianity like grace, mercy and love and, and have the, the supermen, the people with the boldness that now that now that we've removed God from Western civilization, we need to play God. We need to create our own values and our own truth. And he recommended the hard values of the Superman. And that's what we're seeing now with this will to power. And, um, and C.S. Lewis, Christian thinker in 1948, saw an English textbook that was denying moral absolutes. And he said, well, if this becomes widespread, it's going to lead to the abolition of man with a few will control the billions and you're going to have arbitrary laws that are set up that the leaders don't have to obey. They're going to be above the law and the arbitrary laws are going to be made not for the good of mankind, but to just protect those in power. Education is going to be indoctrination and political correctness and uh, teaching this uh, moral relativism 
And, um, and so, uh, and then he also talked about science. Science, like magic, tries to control nature. And the last thing in, in nature to be controlled is man. And so he argued we would reach a day where science would be a tool of tyrants uh, to control the masses. And now all of a sudden we got mandatory uh, vaccination. So I, I think these guys were were very prophetic in the yes. message that I mean, them. Yeah, no, it's incredible too because there's clearly one set of rules about the vaccines and COVID for the serfs and one for the elite because yeah. you can see them at parties where they're not wearing masks. Yes. They're parting down here in California. People's Republic of California. Newsom is at the French Laundry, hooping it up, living large, and, and then mandating yeah. stuff on churches. It's just like you said, there was yeah. a church here in Southern California that just won an $800,000 judgment because of being shut down. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. I'm MacArthur's church, I think. Yeah, it was right? MacArthur. That's correct. Yeah. 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 And so then you see, you see this scientism, science being used. And everything on the media right now is off yep. the charts tyrannical. Yep. All of their science and everything they're saying about people, they're not emphasizing uh, natural immunity. They never even yep. mention those two words. Yep. So they should be really checking out people for COVID yep. or they should be checking for if they have the antibodies because then they yep. don't have to take the risk of a, of a vaccine. Yep. That's how you know something really wrong is happening. Yeah, my wife and have had have had COVID and we survived it. And uh the study, the Israeli study, shows that if you've had COVID and survived, you have natural immunity, which is thir makes you 13 times less likely to get the D variant of the virus and 20 times less likely uh, to suffer adverse effects than somebody who's been vaccinated. And um, uh, and but if you've had the virus and you get uh, vaccinated, you're twice as likely to have adverse effects. So why in the world would I, me and my wife, why why in the world would we want uh, to, to get this vaccine? Right. Good question. Oh, no, it's still untested vaccine. Very yeah. important. It exactly. may not even be a vaccine. It yeah. may just be some kind of therapy, some kind of genetic therapy. So they, there's all kinds of misnomers. And I mean, you're yeah. really looking at kind of yeah. a, a medical tyranny. Your yeah. book is way, way ahead of its time. Um, and also just to add to something like Nietzsche said, God is dead. We killed him. So it was a willful mm -hmm. killing of God, which in my opinion, in part yeah. influenced Hitler into yeah. Superman behavior, which was a disaster for everybody. Yes. Disaster yeah. for everybody. It, it, it's like Nietzsche said that if you read his, the madman parable in his work, uh, the gay science, of course, gay meant something very, very different back then. But he's basically arguing that, uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase and throw my own illustration, but it's like he was happy that the leaders of Western civilization, the leading thinkers, had thrown God off the bridge and um, and believed that belief in God was obsolete, uh, antiquated. And um, but most of his passion and anger was against fellow atheists because he was basically arguing, look, if we threw God off the bridge, we had no right to go through his pockets and say absolute truth, we still need that. Um, uh, absolute morality, got to have that. Meaning in life, sanctity of human life. Okay, now let's throw God off the bridge. And so Nietzsche's saying, if you throw God off the bridge, you've detached the earth from its sun. There's no longer any up and down. Everything changes. Everything is up for grabs. So his atheist colleagues were saying, God is dead, let's party. And it's business as usual. 
Nietzsche was like, God is dead. I'm terrified. Everything changes. We've removed the foundation from under our feet. And so that's why he said, I, I've come too early. I'm like the madman in the marketplace in the early hours of the morning with a lantern. I, it's not even night. You don't even need the lantern yet. So he's saying, I've come too early. And so he was basically, you know, predicting the horrors of the, he died in 1900. He predicted the horrors of the 20th century because it would be a, a godless Western civilization come of age and starting to apply it. And, um, and I argue in, in my book, God, Government, and the Road to Tyranny, that as the uh, 19th century brought death of God, you know, we thought through Darwinian evolution, we don't need God. God is a, uh, an outdated explanation. Uh, we, we don't need that anymore. So the 19th century brought the death of God. The 20th century brought the, the uh, death of truth and the death of morality and meaning. And now in the 21st century, it's the death of man. It's what C.S. Lewis called the abolition of man. And I equate the death of man where C.S. Lewis says that the, the few will control the billions. And, um, and B.F. Skinner, Fran uh, Francis Schaeffer opposed him in Back to Freedom and Human Dignity. Uh, B.F. Skinner wanted to get beyond freedom and human dignity. That was the name of one of his books and wanted to control man genetically. And this vaccine, so-called vaccine, this injection might have something to do with that. But control man genetically and to control man's environment. Well, you shut down the economy and make us stay in our homes and don't let us travel in cars someday with the Green New Deal. Uh, you can control man's environment. They're trying to control us genetically. And so Schaefer argued for, for getting back to freedom and, and human dignity. So uh, so we're seeing this stuff. We're seeing the death of man. But I equate the death of man with the deification of the state, where the state, instead of serving God and serving man by protecting our God-given rights, by protecting our freedom to be all that God calls us to be, and by protecting our freedom to be lazy if we want, uh, instead the state is replacing God. So don't trust in, in, in God, don't trust in your church or your family or in your individual responsibility. Anything goes wrong, you just trust in the state and we'll take care of you. And the state would much rather have people shut down in their homes with no jobs, living on government assistance than, um, than some renegade out there starting a business and producing, creating jobs that you're the enemy of the state. You do that kind of thing. And then I mean, Christian people who think on their own rather than going to big government, big brother, that's just uh, there, there's no place for that in the deification of the state. And I think it's really interesting because during COVID, so many of these governors just milked up the time telling everybody about numbers, everything to do, Newsom, Cuomo, really authoritarian. And, and even some of the, you know, New York City mayor and things like that. So they're re-emphasizing to the individual, the state, we're going to handle this. You do, but do what you're told. And I think that's what's been really been going on since last March. It's 18 months now. Um, it's really incredible. It's really yeah, yeah. an incredible event looking back to see what they got away with. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just the beginning too. It's 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 gonna and it, but it's happening so rapidly that um, that everything's falling into place. When you can get a mayor in New York City telling basically telling people you can't buy or sell unless you get this government mandated uh, uh, medical procedure done to your body. 
I mean, if that doesn't sound like, uh, you know, a wannabe antichrist, you know, Revelation 13, 16 to 18, you don't accept the mark and worship the beast, you can't uh, buy or sell. And I'm not saying that this so-called vaccine, which is an injection of synthetic RNA, uh, I'm not saying that this, this is the mark of the beast, but I think it's really moving in that direction and conditioning us for it. You know, Bill Gates yeah. funded it. And then he talked about vaccines as uh, one of the best ways to, to uh, lower the population of the world. Why would I trust him? And, right. um, and so. Who uh, made him an expert? Yeah. How did he become an expert? Yeah. It's like Elon Musk said, uh, Elon Musk said that this is, you're putting an operating system into your body. He said they could extend your, your life by 10 years if they want. They could cut it by 10 years if they want. And then he said, heck, they could turn you into a butterfly if they want. And, he, you know, he's being facetious there. Well, Bill Gates got upset with him and told him to stay in his lane, that he's not a scientist. And then Elon Musk reminded Bill Gates he's not a scientist either. But, but Elon Musk, certainly not a Christian, but I think he's got a little bit of a conscience left. And every once in a while, while drinking some brandy or whiskey and smoking, a, I don't know if it's a joint or what, Every once in a while, he has a moment of honesty where he tells us how bad things are getting. And um, and it's a it's a bleak view. Of, if you don't know Jesus, it's a bleak view of the future. So. Yeah, no, it really is. And I think they caught, I mean, Gates was talking on a subject about Africa, and he kind of slipped his tongue saying about how the vaccine applications would uh, limit population growth. But he, he tried... It was a slip of the tongue that he revealed himself, I think, inadvertently. And then I think it was in Vietnam said they had no incidences of autism until vaccine protocols from one of the either the Gates Foundation or something like that was introduced into Vietnam. Yeah, I believe his father was like a founding member of, of Planned, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, he was into the eugenics movement and uh, and uh, controlling who gets to reproduce, who doesn't sterilization is a big thing on the mind of Bill Gates. If you listen close enough to him, that's what he's about. So this is, this is what I call the depraved new world. And uh, we want it. We choose a world without God. We're not going to look to God and man plays God and the government plays God. Um, it, it's, it's an ugly, ugly scenario. Uh, the Dr. RJ Rummel university of Hawaii. I refer to him in my book, God government and the road to, to tyranny. He coined a, a term democide, death by government. And he showed that during peacetime, or at least apart from war, between 1917 and 1991, between 170 million and 320 million people were killed by their own governments. And so big guy, and that's that's more than all the people have died in man, all of mankind's wars put together. And it's just a 70 year period. And, um, and so basically, big government has proven itself in the 20th century to be the number one serial murderer of all time, yet we go into the 21st century uh, with an enormous amount of faith in big government, almost a worship of government, the deification of the state. So as hundreds of millions were slaughtered by, the, by big government in the 20th century, in the 21st century, it's going to be billions unless the Western civilization repents and uh, we have revival and turn back uh, to the God who was uh, prospered and blessed us so greatly. And I think that a lot of those, I think if you parse through 
those hundreds of millions of who died, their governments were all atheistic, communistic type of entities. So they didn't have, and I think it's an important, you make an important point in your book where the current idea of looking at our founders is that they were deists or not Christian, but they were informed by mm-hmm. the Christian faith by putting stuff in. I think yeah. you mentioned Blackstone and yeah. God, yeah. God, nature's God and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin didn't believe God could supersede the laws of nature, but they still believed God could answer prayer through uh, natural physical laws. And um, and they did believe that the Bible was just, you know, merely a collection of human books. However, it was in their estimation, uh, the greatest the greatest wisdom of man in reference to um, government and morality. And um, but I, I would argue that the biblical basis of human government, human life, uh, we were created in God's image. So human life is worth protecting. And then the fall, well, now human life needs protecting. However, who's going to lead human government? It's going to be fallen humans. So you need to figure out a way to separate their powers and limit the size of government. The founding fathers did that with separation of powers and state sovereignty and things of that sort, and checks and balances. And um, but but yeah, no, it's a, you get if you do not if the government does not recognize an authority above its, itself recognizes no God above itself, that government will eventually play God. And if, if, if uh, all our politicians that either deny the biblical doctrines of creation and the fall, they're either good guys who are very inconsistent, good guys, I mean, in the eyes of man, uh, but more than likely, um, they're only going to engage, if they don't believe human life is worth protecting and needs protecting, if they deny the biblical doctrines of creation and the fall, then more than likely they became politicians for the power. Right. And I think that you see kind of, you also talk about the new new world order. You mm-hmm. can see this whole COVID event as a global phenomenon. You can see what's happening in Australia and some mm-hmm. of these other countries. It's not just the U.S. Can you talk about your thoughts about COVID and the new world order? And Yeah, I, it's being used. It's, it's like what Rob Emanuel once said, that uh, never let a, a crisis go wasted. And um, and so 9-11 was a crisis. And there were even guys on the Republican side of the aisle that almost turned us into a police state. And uh, um, and, you know, people like Rand Paul stood against that Rand Paul and Ron Paul. But uh, but but now we have with with covid, it's the new crisis. They got to milk it for what it's worth. And as as much freedom, whatever freedom we give up during a crisis, we never get back. Politicians never downsize. And so um, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum uh, wants to use COVID as um, an excuse for the Great Reset. He wants to reset the whole global economy um, because of this. And, um, and, and they call it stakeholder capitalism. That's just code for, for global socialism. And um, so instead of the shareholders, the company trying to do good for those who invest in the company, a company's decisions should be made based on everyone whose livelihood is at stake, which in their view is everybody on the planet. And these guys are environmental extremists and, and all. So, and, and, and the intellectuals will speak for the multitudes. They know what's best for us. We can't figure it out. We can't decide whether we need this uh, injection or not. The, the, 
the uh, brilliant intellectual elitists will decide B.F. Skinner's, you know, um, beyond freedom and human dignity. And so they want to control our environment, control us genetically. But yeah, the World, World Economic Forum is pushing for this. And John Curry, there was an excellent article in the New American magazine. I think the author was Alex Newman showing how John Kerry reassured uh, Klaus Schwab that America, now that Biden's the president, America would move very rapidly towards the global reset. And um, and uh, European leaders and, and leaders in the World Economic Forum were questioning how quickly we would be able to do it. But John Kerry was saying, no, this is going to come down uh, in, a, in a really quick manner. And, um, and uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, Donald Trump, kind of grumpy guy, reminded me of some of my grumpy uncles. And uh, um, But the fact of the matter is he loved America. He wanted to keep America sovereign. And he was willing to fight globalism. And you can see that from his speeches at the United Nations. Um, but just compare that with President Obama's speeches before the United Nations, where he spoke of nationalism almost as if it was some kind of a undesirable disease. And um, so whatever the case, um, we are not in good hands right now. And um, I think the only thing we've got going for us politically is the Supreme Court, the makeup of the Supreme Court. But if um, if the leftists, if the neo-Marxists uh, in power can figure out a way to pack the court, um, Politically speaking, it's all it's all over. For, it's all over, yeah. and I mean, you do have what? Are, what? What's the Christian view of communism, and what would be your critique of the kind of Marxist outlook? Yeah, well, first you have traditional Marxism, which is uh, everything's economically determined, and it's based on based on an atheistic view of of the world and of reality, and um, and so with with. Marx, uh, you have, he uses the Hegelian dialectic. And so he thought it was de economically determined that we would move towards the classless society. Uh, but we've got to move from, you know, capitalist states have to move to socialism first, where you have a, after the revolution, you have a dictatorship of the proletariat, dictatorship of the working class. Well, that never worked anywhere. So for Lenin, uh, the dictatorship of the proletariat actually became be, uh, became the uh, dictatorship of the professional revolutionaries of these cold-blooded murderers and we see how that turned out but antonio gramsci and, and you know people will view communism as sharing that's not sharing when the government confiscates all the property steals what you have and then redistributes it the way it wants to which means most of it goes to them very little goes to the people and we all get equally enslaved. That's not, uh, you know, uh, in the book of Acts, it was it was compassionate capitalism where you shared what you had with others. And oh, uh, under God, they weren't atheists either. right? Yeah. Yeah. They're totally under God and out of love for God and love for mankind. So communism is not sharing. It's the abolition of private uh, ownership. That's what Karl, how Karl Marx summed it up. And in his uh, Communist Manifesto, he wanted the abolition of religion, the abolition of the family. Uh, we're seeing these things in organizations like Black Lives Matter and, and Antifa. Um, but uh, economic Marxism is dead. So what grew out of it was uh, Antonio Gramsci out of Italy and the Frankfurt School out of Germany. They saw that um, 
um, Marxism failed because Marx was predicting there's going to be global war coming out of Europe. And he was right on that, but he thought the workers would never put on the uniform and fight for their, their governments. Uh, instead, they would use it, the chaos, uh, as an, as, um, as, so, as something to help them with their Marxist revolution. Well, it never happened. So after World War I, uh, Marxists had to rethink things. And the Frankfurt School, along with Antonio Gramsci out of Italy, said that uh, religion was too strong and, um, and that the pillars of Western civilization had to come down, things like the religion and the family and uh, the media and the, the government and the schools. And, um, and so they began to try to attain uh, Marxist goals uh, and the overthrowing of Western civilization through evolution, gradual change. Now, they kept revolution in their back pocket. That's why you see Antifa and the Black Lives Matter uh, rioting and destroying property. Uh, there's there's a, a kind of a Marxist revolution on a small scale. Uh, but the main thing was to try to infiltrate and take over religion. And this is all this is all on the congressional record. Uh, w. Cleon Skousen's The Naked Capitalist, where he lists the 45 goals of the Communist Party. It's all on the on the uh, um the congressional record with tes testimonies of former communists like Bella Dodd and Whitaker Chambers. And, um, and when you see their goals, one of their goals is to take over one or both of the political parties in America. And their, their goals look like, you know, like bad mouthing the founding fathers, uh, promoting, uh, homosexuality and, and sex outside of marriage, uh, breaking uh, down the police. Yeah. 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 Every, everything it's, it's right there. And, um, and there are some neoconservative establishment Republicans who are on board with that, too. Um, um, I, I think with Donald Trump, he gave courage to those who still believe in the Constitution and still believe in America. He gave us the courage to, to, to fight for that. And so now we see governors like um, uh, DeSantis in Florida just just taking a stand. And if the president pushes back on him, he'll call he'll call the president out by name and saying, look, Dude, until you straighten out the border, you're letting all these COVID-infected people come across the border. Until you get that to clean up your house, you got no business telling me what to do here in Florida. Right. And, and I think Biden flat out said he was going to straighten out the governors who dis who disagreed with him. So he was talking already, very tyrannically. Yes, very he, tyrannically. he's already withholding some medical treatment uh, for Florida. Right, the monoclonal, and, monoclonal treatments. Yeah, yeah and it's it just like, uh, you know, I mean these guys to get their agenda is more important than the lives of, uh, of in, and the freedoms of individual American people. These, these guys are playing God all the way to a fake utopia. Like to me, Marx was a true crank theorist who made a lot of stuff up, was never an economist, was really kind of a literary figure, a journalist, and somehow convinced all these naive people to believe in that. And a lot of those governments, when they weren't murdering their own citizen and stealing their money, like Russia notoriously took all the largesse that was produced and sold it on the free market for, for funds and then kept either kept it for the leaders. And that was actually Castro as well, had a billion dollars offshore as well as people are still driving cars from the 60s. And yeah. they have to never emphasize that. And actually, the same thing happened in the communist revolutionaries in South Africa when they took over and threw overthrew apartheid. 
they absconded with a lot of the infrastructure of the business. So once yeah. they had power and had that, they sold it on the common market and yeah. ran away with the money. And the people who were supposed to get it never got it. And yeah. that was supposedly a winning type of like that was a victory for the revolution. But it was all it was was a wealth transference scheme. It was yeah. such a joke. And if if you follow what's going on right now in South Africa, that's America in a few years. And uh, kind of like what was going on in our cities with Antifa right. and Black Lives Matter, it's just going on everywhere. And um, and you know, it's Mad you, Max. It's literally Mad Max in South Africa. Yeah, and it, it's really crazy because like critical theory, where you attack all the pillars of Western civilization, critical race theory is just one of those columns. Right. And um, and so now we see critical race theorists uh, bad mouthing capitalism um, while they're making you know sixty thousand dollars a talk. I mean, it, you know, it, it just, it's just, it's just really, really crazy. But, you know, but then they, they, they say that all whites um, are, uh, are racist. And, and then they wonder why 70% of blacks in New York City don't want to get the injection. Well, you know, they do know that most of the scientists that worked on this injection are whites. And you keep telling them whites are racist. Why should they trust the the injection? So it's it's the the hypocrisy is uh, is off the charts. And um, but uh, but yeah, so we're we're seeing now a neo Marxism, and a lot of the people in Black Lives Matter and maybe, maybe even some of the Antifa people don't even know that they're Marxist. And um, but some of seeing, them have come out right and said Marxist. I think from BLM, and they're also involved in the occult. The, the, the owners, yeah, the which owners, is even more strange. The, the founders just come straight out and they wear their Marxism as a badge of, of courage. But somebody who ends up protesting with them may be right. oblivious right, to sure. the, the Marxist foundation there. But we we are witnessing a, a, an attempted neo-Marxist overthrow of the United States. I'll go on record. So I'm a preacher and a, a Christian philosopher. Uh, but I'll go on record saying that the final domino to fall um, in uh, the usher, ushering in of global government is uh, the, the final roadblock to global government is an armed American middle class. And so if, if, if they could ever figure out a way to disarm the American middle class, um, you know, there, there's nothing left. We're going to find out how kind and gentle European socialism actually is. Once America falls to socialism. Look at these people that they put in, in in the Department of Defense, too. And Gramsci said they were going to burrow in through the institutions. Yeah. So they've already successfully done it in education, um, probably the military, at least in D.C. I bet the underlings don't want to tolerate that, this stuff. But they've successfully kind of overcome from the inside out, not from yeah. the outside. And so it's really an internal enemy. But yeah. uh these are the people why you want to have guns. This is yeah, exactly yeah. why you have guns. But also, these were predicates to all the tyrannies. Hitler, Soviet yeah. Union, take the guns away, take mm -hmm. the power away. That's why you have a Second Amendment. That's why everybody in America, all 330 million of you, of you should love the Bill of Rights. Yeah, yeah. No it, censorship, no, you know, you have a gun. Yeah. And, it shouldn't be arguable, sorry. We're seeing freedom of speech. And and um, and freedom of religion, and freedom to petition the government. Um, uh, we're seeing those freedoms going out out the window. Uh, but the way you enforce those freedoms 
you know, it, it's it's credited to Thomas Jefferson that uh, a government that fear where the government fears the people, there is liberty, but when the people fear the government, there's tyranny, and um, and so we're coming very, you know, at this particular point, I think that with when Donald Trump won the election, I think President Obama had you, you look at his his talks before the United Nations, he had set the table for Hillary Clinton to come in and smoothly surrender United States sovereignty uh, to a global state. And then they, and they're all doing this for a piece of the global pie. They're doing it for, for their own power, but then Donald Trump happened. And so I, I think from that point, this rage, this uh, anti-Trump syndrome or whatever they call it, or Trump derangement syndrome, um, what it is is they're throwing a tantrum because everything was set to erode United States sovereignty and merge us into a global state. And, um, and so now I think they've switched to plan B, which is, um, look, we're going to be as nasty as we have to be. We're impatient. We want to get this done. We don't want things. And, and, and that's why, you know, get president Biden talking like a tyrant, you know, uh, my, my patience is running out. I'm going to mandate this and mandate that this is America. You're not Joe Stalin. This isn't the Soviet Union. And um, now the, the good thing is, somebody might be listening to us for the last 40 minutes and thinking, man, these guys, these guys act like there's no hope. No, but our hope is in King Jesus. And uh, we know he's still on the throne. And when he comes off the throne, um, those who hate him are going to wish he was back on the throne because when he comes off the throne, he's going to come to judge the living and the dead. And uh, but the Lord Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But the, but if Christians don't speak out against tyranny, you know, billions are going to die here. If we don't speak out against tyranny, I don't know who is. So uh, so I think we've got to we've, we've got to preach the gospel. And as we preach through the word of God, we've got to also apply it to the current issues that we face. And we've got to stay. We've got to love people. We, it, we don't just want to see people get saved and go to heaven. We would also like to see uh, unborn babies have the right to be born. We'd like to, to, to see disabled people have the right to live and have their right to life defended. Uh, we'd like people's freedom, people of all different ethnic groups. We'd like to see their freedom defended. And so we love God with everything we have and we love our neighbors ourselves. So we, we have to take a stand and um, God's going to call some of us. I, I think God's called you and me to be loud. So we, you know, we might be some of the first ones to go, and, uh, and, and God's going, but God's going to call some Christians to, in a very quiet way, have secret fellowships in their homes. Uh, Live not by lies. Um, great book uh, by Rob Rod Dreyer. He interviews all these people who they they maintained their Christian faith for several generations through Soviet occupation and communism in other countries. And um, and that's a book we, we the Bible doesn't just teach us how to live. The Bible teaches us how to suffer and die in a way that is pleasing to our master. And so we've, we've got to teach our people to fight for life, to stand for life. But we've got to also have the courage to teach our people um, how to be willing uh, to suffer and die and be persecuted for our faith, as so many of our brothers around the world have gone through. Amen. It's really true. I mean, it's it's scary to think, but that's, I think, where we're headed here in the United States, if we're not there yet. So, But that was a great way to end it. 
Again, the title of the book is God, Government, and the Road to Tyranny, published 2003, way ahead of its time, by Dr. Phil Fernandez. Thank you, Mr. Fernandez. Oh, God bless you, William. God Keep bless you, what you're doing. You got a lot Thank of courage you. and you speak yeah. the truth in love, brother. All right. God bless. Stay there.